0: Let's see what the stew has for us today.
1: Welcome to the Gnomecast and Gnome Stew's Tabletop Gaming Advice Podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by our awesome Patreon backers like the bountiful Bob Queck, the purposeful Panic Productions, and the stupendous Scott Adams. Today we have John and myself, Ange, and we're going to completely skip our get-to-know-a-gnome question because the whole episode is going to be about getting to know our very own John Arcadian, one of the original gnomes. Wait, what? Yeah, you. Oh,
0: I, that was not what I signed up for.
1: Well, I, suck it I up. I thought
0: this was in for the baking. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. That's
1: <laughs> so after wrapping up our most recent round of Meet a New Gnome, it was suggested that it could be fun to do the same style of interview with some of our older gnomes, and since John is one of our oldest gnomes, I figured we could start with him, and let's start at the beginning. John, what is your gamer origin story? How did you come to RPGs?
0: I feel like if, if we take all the gnome casts and just find snippets, all these stories have already <laughs> been told yep. in bits and parts. Because I really go back to the well on a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> but Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll read. This
1: is consider this the consolidated location for these it, stories. It, it, it
0: is. It's the uh, the annotated version, uh, <laughs> the breached John <laughs> <opinion>. Um <laughs> Yeah, okay, so my gamer origin story. So, um, you know, it's weird because I keep thinking back to stuff, and there were so many times in my youth where I did not get to play games, but I got to read and look at them, and I remember writing a role-playing game. Like, I I first wrote a role-playing game based around Battletech, and it was like, I was... Ten at the time, maybe, because I was allowed to have the Battletech books because they were like Robotech and they weren't D and D. And that awful satan- satanic panic thing was <laughs> what's going around at the time, and my parents just weren't sure about it. But eventually, I, I was allowed to like you know have the D and D second edition books. I think I found them at Books and Stock in Worcester. So I don't think my parents even necessarily knew. But then I was also able to get the Monster Manual. Second edition AD&D from um, Spellbinders, calling out all the old places in Kent when we were going up to, to something, and those like sitting there and reading through them and just writing my own stories and doing stuff was what brought me into it until I could actually play because I didn't actually get to play until college. So in college, somebody said, "Hey, I'm running AD&D day nights," and I said, oh my god, yes, let's do it! I'm in. And I got to play my very first D&D game then, and, uh, and then I started running DD and uh, like three months later because that is the way it works. And from there, it just spiraled. It just went like hardcore. <laughs> like I was just just waiting. You know? So I guess you could call me like a late d and bloomer, nerdy in every other way, but, but I just hadn't like bit it yet because I, I you know hadn't bitten into it yet because I hadn't had people around to do it. And it is a, a group activity. So, yeah, so that, that is how I came to RPG
1: It makes sense that you started jamming very soon after you started actually playing, because you had been prepping for yes. years.
0: Yes, <laughs> I, I have been working on that and figuring that out, and, and just, like, yearning to get in there and tell those stories with other people.
1: Okay, let's talk about your other origin story. What is your gnome origin story? Because I don't <laughs> think necessarily a lot of people know... The origin of Gnome Stew and how some of our original writers came into it. Yeah,
0: all right. So we may need to, to go to like Walt or Patrick or some of the other gnomes or Scott and, and pull in, you know, these other ones too. Eventually, they're no longer with it. I don't care. No, but so way back in the day, Martin Ralia had a blog called Treasure Tables. And wow, is Martin just a powerhouse because he wrote short articles every day, two or three paragraph articles every single day. I think there's like 900 of them yeah, or Yeah, he so. did it
1: for a few years, didn't he? Oh, it
0: was impressive. But yeah, so he built up treasure tables and it was, you know, in the heyday of blogging when like people were like asking money to do blogs, like give me $50 and I'll write a blog. And I remember somebody did that. Martin was never part of that, but. He did say, hey, we've got guest posts, like, you want to come write a guest post? And at that point, I was working on Silvervine Games, my first kind of, you know, fantasy heartbreaker project in the gaming industry, learning how to be in the gaming industry. And I said, oh, this would be great to do that. And, and to, you know, I knew I needed to promote my name and persona, but I was like 23 at the time and really had no kind of idea how to do that. So I said, all right, guest posts, that would be awesome. And so I think the first guest post did for Martin was on using images in your games, being very visual, finding visual references and, and pulling them in. And so I wrote that, I wrote three or four others, and then when Martin was like, I'm burning out on this, I want to form a multi-author blog so I don't have to do all the writing. I said, I am in. I am now. He, he uh, made invitations to a bunch of us who were guest posters, got pulled in on, you know, the very first grounds of it, and I remember uh, I had just started a new job, and we, you know, we, we were all still kind of new to it, figuring out how it worked, and so we, we missed a day, and I jumped in, and on my lunch break, on like the second day of my new job, I whipped out an article on something or other. You can probably find it in the archive, but it was just like one of the first or second, like you know, oh, we we have to have an article up right now, and I whipped it out on my lunch break and then put that up on gnome stew. So, so that is uh, that's kind of my origins of coming to gnome stew and the origins of gnome stew in general. And and if if anybody wants to know why gnome stew, because gnomes were out of fourth edition at the time, and Martin was like, well, where did they put them all? Let's say in the stew, and that's why we we <laughs> decided on gnome stew. So.
1: I want to say it was 2011.
0: 2008? 2007
1: okay, or so. That's right. Uh,
0: 2007 or
1: 2008? 7-11 flip in my brain sometimes.
0: <laughs> darn you, darn you Seven Eleven 11 stores. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Has there been a, a common theme or, or thread to the content you've brought to the stew?
0: Uh, definitely. And, and I have it on good authority that if you uh, listen to episode 72 of which will be coming up soon it will probably come out because i have always been an improv heavy gm um that, that's always been my style i've always found it more appealing i've always found more player engagement when i prep less or i have less of an idea of what's going to happen you know, just kind of flesh out the bare bones or have a lot of pieces i can pick up and throw in so a lot of stuff i've written about is about doing those sorts of things and, and making games more improv friendly and the other thing is I, I was looking back at it is i've just kind of started to find some time to get back into writing rather than being just the head gnome recently. Thank you for being co-head gnome and enabling me to do that.
1: You're quite welcome.
0: But but I found like one of the things I like to do is to hack games because I'm never quite satisfied with, with how stuff works, you know. So, you know, I recently wrote up, uh, you know, the kind of three changes I make to D&D combat. And as I was looking back, I'm like, wait, have I written this article before? And I went looking back over my... Because right, I'm like, no, but here's how I hack Shadowrun to make investigations more fun. Here's how I hack like plot points to make them, you know, more interesting. Here's how I hack, you know. So, so I like to do a lot of hacking of systems just to to shave off a little bit of those edges that make it more game and less narrative. Like I like when the mechanics emphasize the narrative and help you with the narrative, and then get the heck out of the way if if you know if they're in the way. Like. Right? it's one of my biggest complaints about 5D. There's so many spells that got nerfed for game balance, but I'm like, but why does Fabricate cost, take 10 minutes? Like, okay, you don't want it used in combat anymore, but those were cool. Like, this, this is kind of annoying that I can't, like, create a China set out of nothing in the middle of the forest with a wave of my hand to impress the Fairy King. Like, you know, and, and so those sorts of things. Like, I, I'm often trying to hack those out because it for me is where the narrative is no longer being
1: helped. And and I, I get that, because you, you do have your players who will abuse certain spells that weren't meant to be combat spells. Like I, I had a player who decided to use uh summon mounts as a weapon spell by summoning the mounts above the monster's head.
0: That's and I'm like hey,
1: I'm like, you know what? I'll allow this once. Yeah. Once. <laughs> I and
0: I like that because I've heard you say that before. Like I will let you do this once, and and it's a great way to say like, all right, this is cheesy. I see the cheese on this, but I'm gonna let it happen. So I I'm saying right. yes, but but don't try it again. Yeah. You know?
1: the, the, the problem is, is I have another player who will once he settles on a a tactic, he will only ever use that tactic. So if you let him use that unorthodox tactic, he will try and use it every single time. So it's yeah, like, oh, yeah. So l- let's talk about what types of games you like, you know, and is there a difference between what you like as a player and what you like as a GM?
0: Yeah, um, so I, uh, what, what it was the phrase that uh, I think Senda came up with, polygamers? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm definitely the polygamers sort where I'm like, I'll come back to D&D all the time because it's, you know, it's where I had my roots.
1: Uh, it's comfort yeah. food.
0: It, it's comfort food, you know, it, it's it's very nice. But, like, I love playing in more indie sort of one-shot games. I played in a wonderful one at Origins called Lovecraft-esque, which was phenomenal because everybody got to take turns playing The Investigator. And I had such a great time with that sort of game because, you know, you got kind of full control to put narrative stuff in, and I just kept raising the creeped-out factor, raising <laughs> it and raising it like, uh, we had some plot point where there were, like, creatures with eyes, like uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, you know, yeah. we kind of started off that, so I drew eyes on myself, and I just kept drawing eyes on myself, so whenever I acted out the creature, it was there, you know? So I love games that, that let you really influence other players' takes on the narrative. And, you know, I'll do that with the Crunchy game. I'll do that as a, a player in a Crunchy game. I will play now kind of louder, boisterous characters, but with the intent of pulling in other people. I'm always like looking around the table and saying, alright, how can my, uh, Kiran, who's totally not Gaston, who drinks and fights and does everything wonderfully, h- how can Kiran pull in, like, uh, Granny over there, who, who's been quiet, like, Granny, you haven't said much lately, I think you should take the lead in this negotiation with the Mafia. Well, what theory? I don't know, no, no. Granny's the one for this, and you know, yeah, trying to shove players out there, kind of, like, grab the spotlight, then move it.
1: Using that, that power of boisterousness for good.
0: Using that power of boisterousness, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure i call it good, especially with the games I've been playing and the moral greatness of them. <laughs> okay, yeah,
1: good isn't good, good for the other players at the table.
0: Right, right. Yeah, just, just to emphasize that, like, like, the people at the table is what makes a game like this different from playing a video game. So that's, that's the aspect of the game I want to play, is the other players. Like, how do I make them laugh? How do I pull things in? How do I support their bids when somebody pulls out a crazy plan? How do I either shut up at the table and let them do it if they're pushing it along? Or how do I make sure the GM has their eyes set on that, or or, or feels like they have buy-in from the other players to do it? So, you know, there are there are definitely... Just multitudes of games I play, but I always bring some kind of narrative to them or seek out something that helps with that narrative, no matter what type of game it is. So, so word of warning to the GMs, you know, out there, if you see me come up to your game, I'm just going to make it a narrative based game no matter <laughs> what. <laughs> I don't do Adventures League often because Adventures leagues, like, no, we'll just go on. We move. Come on. All right. Go <laughs> kill the goblins. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 have, I have thoughts on, on uh, organized play. And, like, I appreciate what they bring to gaming, but it's not for me.
0: I I would love to see some organized play that is really just kind of based on something that, that like, just divorces itself from no chance. Like, I love the idea that every, like, you play four hours, you go up a level. Great. No matter what you're doing, you go up a level. Now, you know, now you can kind of get away from that grind. You can get away from that. Well, we need to do all the things to to level up and play the mechanical aspects of this game.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about uh, you taking over the stew, because as you mentioned when you were talking about the origin of Treasure Tables and Martin Ralia, you ended up becoming Head Gnome in 2016?
0: 2015 or 2016. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so uh, Martin never saw it coming when I snuck up behind him. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I had access to the website, so I was able to hide all of my tracks, and uh, the assassination was quick and merciful. Um, (laughs) Yeah,
1: see, Uh, that's the reason I'm head conome, is because I wasn't successful at assassinating John.
0: But you're too good, and I decided to give you a, a, a taste of the power, so hopefully that, that like killed your <laughs> bloodlust. Don't think it's worked, but, but you know, I, I'd have to watch my back less, which is good. <laughs> no, um, all, all, you know, all gnomes to meta joke, narrative aside, around 2015, uh, I was firmly in control of my own business. I, I owned a web design firm at the time. And... I was doing all the web stuff for Gnome Stew. I was doing all the web stuff for Monaco Games and Cobalt Press and Cubicle 7. And, you know, just a bunch of people in the industry. And Martin is, you know, says, I'm I'm feeling a little burnt out. I'm ready to not be doing this anymore. And we talked about it. And he asked if anybody had desire to take it over. And, you know, before making any, any big decision, I do what I always do, which is I, I go to my sanity event, which is my wife, Paula, and say, hey, here's this thing I'm thinking of doing. What do you think? And And she had some some similar ideas. Like, I I already had a bunch on my plate at the time, but there wasn't a lot of interest to kind of keep it afloat from other people currently there. Everybody was feeling a little burned out. And And I was super new. And you were super new, yeah. You and uh, uh, John... Fredericks. John Fredericks. John Fredericks. John John Fredericks came in uh, around the same time, and you were super new. And I was was looking at him like, man, there was so much more... I think we could do with it. I think Gnomes 2 has gotten in a bit of a rut because we've been doing GM and advice solely for so long. We've kind of tapped that well. We've had, you know, a good crew here writing, but you know, we've all been writing. I think we need new blood. I think we need a, a change of pace. I think we need to update some things. And so I said, All right, it's gonna be some work. But you know, my wife said, Yeah, I think you can undertake this, like you've got some time, just don't burn yourself out. And I said, Okay. And I, I took over Gnome Stewart Martin and I worked out a deal, uh, transferred all the assets. There wasn't one of those like there wasn't a, a ton of money coming into Gnome Studio and the coffers and stuff. So uh, just some advertising funds and said, okay, you know, here's the the buy it for a dollar sort of deal. Here's the legal stuff. Got yeah, got it all, you know. Uh, figured out and vetted and moved over, and then uh, I began making changes, and I brought on a bunch of uh, new people, uh, tried to diversify our voices in a lot of ways, tried to pull in a lot of people who, while they might have had voices in some other venues, I wanted you know, more female voices, more, mm-hmm. more gamers of color, more people with different perspectives in a larger mainstream blog rather than like... You know, so so gaming Against well, women was around for a long time. And it was phenomenal. You know, I and mean, you, Angela, one of the writers of like World Princess Squad, and it's, like yeah. I away, you know, from that. <laughs> um, but like, I, I wanted things that were just like, yes, here are people writing about gaming, rather than here's a specific niche writing about gaming according to that niche. You know, I, I've always been about exposing people to different viewpoints, and I think. That kind of subtle activism is a great way to do that. So, so that was one of my first things. To Tried to bring on a lot more people. I mean, with a lot of different perspectives, and I, you know, we we keep doing that every every year or so. We, you know, pe- people fade off as as is normal. You know, don't quite have the time to you know write one a month. You know, so if people are like kind of fading to the back end. We, we pull out you know two or three new gnomes, trying to pull on you know different people who may not have as much of a, a footprint in other areas to kind of write and give different perspectives. And, and it's been phenomenal, but that's kind of, you know, that that's, was kind of the process of taking over Gnome Studio, a little bit of an update, use my web design skills, uh, bring on some new people, integrate some, like, communications like our Slack so we can talk about things. Yeah, to just kind of take it to the next step from where it was then.
1: Yeah, and I think it's, it's definitely, uh, it definitely revitalized the blog. And, and, and brought it a little bit of a new kick. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, on the future of the, the, the <laughs> blog and the brand? And where are things going from here?
0: Well, you know, kind of what I... The, the same kind of philosophy I brought. Like, we need some new blood. We need some new ideas. We need some new, you know, moving into new avenues. Uh, obviously bringing you on as Co-Head Gnome. Because you've been, you know, around for, you know the tail end of the old days and all of the new days, and you are one of the most phenomenal people I know. I'm like, yes, come come, join me up here. Stop trying to assassinate I assass- was
1: wrangling the cats anyway. You were wrangling
0: the cats anyways, yes. Stop trying to assassinate me. Join me up here. You know, <laughs> t- take a percentage of the blog and help guide this. And, and, you know, doing that, I think, definitely got ideas about where to go and what to do. And, and I had some ideas. Like, we, we did some Twitch stuff, and then... I kind of went. You know what? I don't have the brain space to delve into Twitch, and I don't actually like the spotlight. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not a spotlight seeker that much. So it, it's not like something that I have a craving for. But we did have, you know, people on board who like really wanted to push and do more of that. We've got that thing now that's sitting yeah. there, kind of waiting to be
1: used. I, I, um, I think. I think. I think what we did with Twitch, the Morgan Ruse division, something.
0: Morgan Rhodes' Mad manticore of the Prismatic Piece.
1: was fantastic. But I don't know that we necessarily have the the bandwidth to like dive head on into Twitch and turn it into something that's 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 you know a regular thing. But it would be nice. Yeah. I'd like to see us do that on occasion because that was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and and that's great. And it, it's it's really things like you know give, giving you a head known con, also mm-hmm. is a little bit me stepping back and, and taking some time for myself. But, you know, I've, I've definitely got some ideas on ways I can do that. So, like, we talked before about doing a no-man. Uh, I've, I've got some fun stuff. <laughs> I want to delve in and do more, like, animated stuff because I've got some options there. But, like, I sender was working on it, but then she didn't have the heart to make it work and, and kind of undertaken, didn't have the bandwidth. So I think I may move that a little bit into a... Uh, Gus the Grog know myself, which, which will be <laughs> interesting. Let, let me talk about talk about some of my things on D and D that I just don't like. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, back in so, my day, back in my day, which is all days because gnomes are immortal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, so, so there, there's some things. It's just I'm I'm of the opinion right now that. Nomsu Sewer a brand, is long-standing, and it's stable, and it's here, and we can keep it going into perpetuity. Your Patreon dollars do help, though. <laughs> but we can be an experimental test bed. You know, we, we don't have to reach geek and sundry level of money-making because that's not how we're doing it. So, so we can just kind of keep doing it and use it as an option for us to do things and to give voice to other voices in the industry. Yeah.
1: So, before we head out of here, are there any cons coming up this year that uh, people can find you at?
0: Oh, man, I just had to cancel my Queen City Conquest appearance because of a new uh, uh, new job that I undertook. But, yeah, no, Queen City Conquest is a great one if you're... Going and if this will probably drop after QCC.
1: No, this will actually drop the Thursday before QCC. Ooh,
0: well then go to QCC if you're anywhere near the uh, uh, Rochester New York. Buffalo area. You know, and anywhere within like a two or three hour drive, definitely go to that one. Even though I won't be there anymore, sadly. I maybe possibly might pop into Gen Con for a day this year. I may not, like, it, it all depends, just pop them in and say my hellos and, and hang out with some people. Uh, but after that, AkataCon will be the next one where I'm a special guest, and that will be in November. Awesome. Yeah, those, those will probably be to the end of the year, and then I'll, I'll start the cycle all over again.
1: <laughs> awesome. Anything else you want to say to our listeners before we head out of here?
0: If I show up dead, it was likely Angela, but, you know, the king is dead along with the queen. <laughs>
1: This show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You too can pick up a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Stew website to the Gnome Stew Patreon. This ad is brought to you by Kilts for Cons and Beyond. Whether you're browsing the dealer's hall or enjoying a cosplay parade, the kilt is the apparel for the fashion-forward gamer. Woohoo! <laughs> if you're enjoying the gnome Cast, you'll probably like many of the other Misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out.
0: Bone, stone, and obsidian. Wayne and Robert take monthly deep dives into the Dark Sun setting and discuss it across all editions of Dungeons & Dragons.
1: You can find all of us at GnomeStew.com, at GnomeStew on Twitter, and GnomeStew on Facebook. John, where else can we find you on the internet?
0: Uh, well, I've just become publicly traded, so you can find me wherever uh, good John Arcadians are bartered and sold, which is about 90% of John Arcadians on the internet. Um, you know, Hopefully becoming publicly traded won't... Uh, won't do me bad, especially not in any upcoming episodes of Gnomecast, which may or may not have been recorded before this one.
1: The time is wibbly wobbly when it comes to podcasts. Oh, yeah. Don't worry about it.
0: Plus, I'm pretty good at it. So, <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I, I think we can. I think we can officially say we uh, we avoided the stew this week.
0: Well, it was just you and me, and I no longer can throw you in the stew. and yeah. it's not while so. booking. So, yeah. Yeah, I,
1: I, I think we're good. I, I get
0: myself.
1: <laughs> Nomecast
0: is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. So, should I have recorded that?